uh, feels that way. So, um, you know what, before I get into Word, I got a couple things. I got to give a shout out to one of my good friends, uh, Brian Ferkeluk and his beautiful wife, Autumn. They're over here. If you could wave real quick. They're in town. Um, Brian, they, they, they currently live in Georgia, but uh, Brian was, uh, I've known his family for a very long time, probably too long. Um, but he was in, uh, he was one of my, my students in a youth ministry that I led 15 years ago. And it just goes to show how much uh, relationships are, are important. Um, and I really appreciate him and his wife. And uh, just, they both serve in the, our, our military. And uh, they've been deployed multiple times. Um, and now they're currently stationed in Georgia. And they just are great. I'll, I love them. And I'm so grateful that they're here. I didn't expect them to be here today. Um, and I just so appreciate them. I just wanted to say hi to that. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of John chapter 3. Today I want to talk about three things we receive when we accept God's grace. Have you ever thought, maybe it's just me, what do I get out of grace? I mean, right? I mean, maybe we've never said that. But what do I get out of it? I heard about this uh, older couple on Valentine's Day. Uh, they were both widows, and they started uh, hanging out with each other, uh, you know, as companions. And, and then they started to have feelings for each other. They're out to dinner on Valentine's Day. And during this dinner, the, the older gentleman leans over to her and says, will you marry me? And she says, yes. And he is just thrilled and excited. And they finish their dinner, and they hang out for a little bit, and then they go to their respective homes at the end of the night. He goes to bed, and, and in the middle of the night, he wakes up in a panic because he doesn't remember whether she said yes or whether she said no, and he's just beside himself, and he knows he's older, and his memory's not, not that well. And so that morning, he finally um, gets enough courage to call his girlfriend and, and says, Honey, I, I, my, my memory is terrible. I'm, I'm getting old, and I, I just have to ask you, like, did you say yes, or did you say no? And she says, I said yes, and I meant it with all of my heart. And then he was just happy. He was just relieved and excited. And she's like, and honey, I'm so glad you called because I couldn't remember who was it that asked me. <laughs> Have you ever had one of those nights where you couldn't sleep? Maybe you had too much caffeine, maybe some heartburn. Maybe your bladder. Does your mind ever race and you can't just shut it off and you can't go to sleep? You ever have one of those nights? Well, it seems like Nicodemus was having one of those nights where he just couldn't shut it down. He was tossing and turning. He was trying to count sheep. He had some warm milk. He even tried some NyQuil. None of it seemed to calm his thoughts and racing mind. And I don't know in this text, in this story we're going to read, if Nicodemus went to see Jesus at night because that's the only time Jesus could fit him into his busy schedule. I highly doubt it. Or if Nicodemus went to see Jesus at night because he was afraid to be seen with Jesus in broad daylight. Probably. But one thing I do know is this guy, Nicodemus, 
He had questions. Questions that wouldn't let him rest. Another thing I know is that Nicodemus was not a flip-flop wearing guy like John the Baptist was, as I talked about last month. He was all business. I mean, not just business casual. I mean, he was a snazzy dresser. I mean, not like, th not this snazzy. More like, more like Pastor Merrill snazzy, right? Dressed to his impress, right? Dressed for success. You know, kind of like that, and this is not you by any means, Pastor Merrill. I was just comparing your dress. But Nicodemus was more like this, I'm so much better and I'm so much smarter than you look. And he probably was. His name even means victory for the people. So, so greatness was expected of him since birth. And as I was preparing this message, I was contemplating shortening it and referring to him as Nick. You know, Nicodemus saying that over and over again a little, little hard. And I don't know if he was a Nick kind of a guy. You know, he wasn't like a, you know... What up, Danny? How you doing? He was more like, hello, Daniel, right? Or, hey, Ty, did you catch that, that, that three-point contest last night? He was more like, Tyler, did you read the assignment in your textbook this week in class, right? He was very just business. So I'll just stick to calling him Nicodemus. And I would guess that his family heritage, his background success, his wealth, and his intellectual expertise that made him so easily accepted into this exclusive country club for the spiritual elite known as the Pharisees. They were supposed to be the strict observers of the law of God, as well as their own bylaws that even superseded God's law. You see, they took the Ten Commandments, and they added about 650 more of their own laws. And most of these guys were masters of twisting God's word to justify their own lifestyle, while in the same time making other people feel guilty because they were um, such religious underachievers. Pharisees were intimidating and tragically, and, and, and judgmental, and tragically, as a result, the people began to see God that way too. Not only was Nicodemus a member of the Pharisees, he was also a part of this inner circle called the Sanhedrin, the, most, the 70 of the most sharpest intellectual Jews who were chosen to rule spiritually and even politically over the entire Jewish nation. So they were the most powerful and influential leaders in that day. So Nicodemus went to see Jesus at night. He went as this significant leader as this dressed-to-impress Old Testament scholar, but most of all, he came as a man who was restless heart wouldn't let him sleep. So this is how the story begins in John 3. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Now, in these two, uh, two verses, a couple of things jump out at me. First, I think it's really cool that he refers to, to Jesus as rabbi. Because according to the Pharisees, Jesus really didn't have the credentials necessary to be honored with such a distinguished title. 
He had no formal seminary training. He wasn't a long-term disciple of another rabbi. He didn't do his youth internship like Joel is, so, I mean, I mean, there's that. He had no degree from Christian Life College. I mean, my goodness. I mean, what kind of person was he? No Masters of Divinity, no Ph.D. He was just a simple carpenter from Nazareth who just so happened to teach like no one has ever seen before. So Nicodemus addresses him with this title of respect. And then I want you to notice in this text how he said, we all, right? We all know that God has sent you to teach us. You see, I was taken back a little bit by Nicodemus' use of the word we. Because he implies that he wasn't the only one not sleeping well that night. Others had questions. Others were curious. Others were intrigued. Others began to wonder, what if John the Baptist was right when he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So Nicodemus is using the plural here and saying, hey, Jesus, some of the guys were wondering, but yet he was the only one who had the courage to step up and face Jesus one-on-one And you know what? I think Jesus respected that. You see, God always respects, honors, and embraces skeptics, doubters, and especially seekers. God is always open to honest dialogue. And you need to know wherever you are in life right now, God wants to hear your questions. God wants, wants you to, he wants to invite you to experience him because anyone who humbly opens the door to him, God will show up and help you find your answers. He loves honesty. He loves skeptics. He loves doubters. He loves seekers. And he loves you. You see, Jeremiah 29, 13 says, if you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all of your heart. I've learned in my own experience that it is true that it is both a heart and a head thing. People who construct, though, this intellectual argument for their belief that God really doesn't exist are really just building a wall around a heart that has been wounded sometime in their life. And they... And if they just would get honest with that and open up their heart and just try to experience God while at the same time engaging their mind in the word of God, then the light will come on and God will begin and start to begin to be real to them. You know, I have a couple of friends who are just that that describe that. They're skeptics. They were atheists. Maybe they're now agnostics because they know that there's something more out there. But I really believe it's because of a an experience, something of, of some wound or hurt in their life. I also wondered what the scene looked like when Jesus met with Nicodemus, right? I mean, did he, did he you know, meet him behind the, the high school in Jerusalem, right? Right behind the high school, you know, that's where, that's where the cool kids hang out, right? Right? Did he, did he meet in a secluded forest with, like, hoodies on trying to hide their identity, Did they meet in some rooftop overlooking the city where the only lights was the stars in the sky? It was late, I know that for sure. It was dark, and Nicodemus comes for some honest dialogue. 
But I don't think that Nicodemus realized how honest Jesus was going to get because, um, because before he could even ask questions, Jesus started answering. Why? Because Jesus knew exactly what Nicodemus was thinking. He already knew his doubts. He already knew his theological hang-ups. He already knew what Nicodemus wanted to ask. Are you the Messiah? If not, who are you and where are you from? You see, Jesus knew what Nicodemus wanted to ask, but I don't think Nicodemus was necessarily ready for what he was about to hear. So Jesus rocks this guy's world, and verse 3 it says, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You see, Nicodemus, you know, Jesus goes, hey, Nicodemus, you see, the issue here is not really where I came from. It's really where are you going? See, Jesus wanted to take this conversation to a deeper level right off the bat. He could, he could have gone into the small talk stuff and talked about the weather and how you know, cold it was or how boring the Super Bowl was last week or, you know, oh, you have an aunt that lives in Nazareth. I'm from Nazareth. Oh, I know her. Me and my father, we built the frame of their house. And you know her dining room table? I built that. You know, none of that stuff. There wasn't this small talk happening. But Jesus, just in his loving way, goes below the surface with one of his famous what the heck does that mean statements. When he says, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. To which Nicodemus responds, what do you mean, exclaimed to him. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? I mean, that's fair, right? But I think Nicodemus was smiling here. I think he was kind of like, you know, saying, Jesus, come on. I'm a 60-year-old Old Testament literature professor here. Get serious. I came here on my own time to get some answers from some serious intellectual questions. And Jesus cuts them off and says in verse 5, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Humans can reproduce, reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. My favorite time of the year is Christmas. Now, People that know me probably wouldn't know that because they think I'm a Grinch around that time. But I love gifts. And I don't know about you, but have you ever opened a gift where the box said, batteries not included? You know, it's kind of like that, that spoiler alert, that, fa that epic fail. Or even worse than that, some assembly acquired. Have you ever bought something from Ikea and you saw that on a box? Yeah, and it took four and a half years of your life that you'll never get back, right, trying to build that? Well, grace is a gift from God to us. And it doesn't have this batteries not included, some assembly acquired. But it does come with stuff. And today I want to talk about three things 
that comes with God's grace. Are you ready? Number one, the Spirit. You know, Jesus tells Nicodemus, unless a man is born of both water and spirit, he's, he's cut right to the chase and say, look, you're a powerful man, Nicodemus, but there's something you lack. See, you are living in this bondage. You see, in 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says, for where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Listen, you need the spirit in your life so that you could be free to live for me. See, he's getting right to the heart. He's, he's trying to say, look, look Nic Nicodemus, I respect you, but there's so much more than this. You know, in John 4, 24, it says, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, right? So right there, Jesus is kind of referring to Nicodemus as like, you must have the spirit. Why? Because God is spirit. I am spirit. You need my presence in your life. That's what you lack. Are you with me? Now, some of you are thinking, oh, man, this is a great salvation message. Here's the thing. Nicodemus went to church his whole life. All right? So he wasn't this, this religious, ignorant kind of person. In what, Acts 1.8, it says, but you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, Right? So when Nicodemus, when Jesus is telling Nicodemus, listen, you need the spirit. Listen, you're a powerful man, but you don't have the power like this. And when you have the spirit, you receive the power from God. In John 16, it says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So the reason why you need the spirit, Nicodemus, is because you need guidance in your life. See, you always thought what you knew was best, but God knows what's best, and I'm ready to guide you. You need the spirit to guide you. Are you with me this morning? See, I was trying to keep to my notes, but now I'm starting to preach a little bit, all right? All right, back to my notes. The phrase that Jesus uses here, to be born again, literally translates born from above, heavenly birth, spiritual birth. And while the concept to Nicodemus right now seems new, it was this rebirth concept. God's plan to give people a new heart, a new life, eternal life. It's clearly revealed all throughout the Old Testament, for instance, when he talks about water and the spirit here in this verse. Jesus is referring to a passage that would be very familiar to Nicodemus over in Ezekiel 36, where God promises to wash his people with water, purify them of their life-threatening sin condition, and replace their heart of stone with his very own heart. And I think, and I think Jesus is saying to Nicodemus here, come on. You know there's something more to this, don't you? Because that's why you're really here, right? Think this through for a moment. Since you are an Old Testament scholar, then you know what the scriptures say. You know that God has always wanted to replace your heart with a new one. You know that God has always longed for an intimate relationship with you. You know that God had 
plan to send the Messiah to make a way so that all people will be saved. You know that mere religion is just a dead-end street, and you've been running up and down the street your whole life. And talk about a slap in the face, right? You've been running hard. You've been trying to earn God's favor, God's grace in your life, haven't you? But now you're sensing that it doesn't quite work that way, aren't you, Nicodemus? You've been feeling that you know that there's a possibility of this personal, transformational, from heaven to earth relationship with God that could change everything about your life. It's a, it lets you start all over. You can sense that, can't you, Nicodemus? But you don't know quite how to get there. You see, Nicodemus knew up to this point, all he knew was religion. He knew rituals, traditions, rules, trying to do enough good stuff to get noticed by God and other people and not necessarily in that order. But Nicodemus was a smart guy with a touch of humility and a heart that was unsettled. He knew that there had to be something more because that's what religion does to you. See, religion gets you running from God instead of towards God. It gets you running and there's no finish line in sight and you never really know whether you have run fast enough far enough or even good enough so you either run so hard that you just kill yourself and everybody else around you or you just give up and walk away right that's what religion does i hate running just just want to confess that right i mean i only like running if there's a purpose like if i'm chasing something or i'm being chased right like, I mean, you know, you see those dogs, like, chasing, like, the little snack, and, you know, they, listen, that, that's good. But here's the thing. I think Nicodemus was tired of running. I think he was growing weary of pretending to know God when he really didn't. And that's where some of you may be right now. Maybe that's where some of you were before you met Christ. Some of you really are tired of playing games with God. You are weary of rituals and man-made rules that would suck the life right out of you and make you want to know God less. So you just walk away and you give up on religion. See, a lot of us have been there. But when we give up on religion, we find Jesus there with a bottle of living water saying, come to me. It's a relationship with God that you've been looking for, that you've been thirsting for. Stop running from me and start running to me. Be born again. Experience the real God because it is found in me. I think Nicodemus was almost right there, right? He, I think this smart, wealthy guy felt the emptiness of life. He was weary of the treadmill of performance that he was on. I think he sensed in Jesus some hope of a real relationship with God, and deep down he knew that Jesus was the answer for that. And I love how Jesus stays with this, you're an Old Testament professor approach again, by going back to a story that Nicodemus was familiar with 
And Jesus always did that with people, right? Every person he met, he, he, he used an illustration or a story that they could relate to. So Jesus connected with Nicodemus, and in this moment, he is genuinely trying to reach this guy at his, at his level in a way that only he could understand. And he says in verse 13, No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Which brings me to my second point. The second thing you receive when you accept God's grace is life. Is life. You know, it says that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus said, that you may have life and life more abundantly or to the fullest. You see, listen, Nicodemus, you've been living life. But you've been living your own life. You haven't really been living. But see, if you accept my grace, I'm going to give you a whole new life. Right? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to God the Father but through me. See, Jesus is referring to, to Nicodemus here. as like, I'm giving you a new life. Listen, I am the life. Right? No textbook, no seminary, no no. No theological debate. No Pharisee can give you that. Only God can, and he has sent me here in the flesh. In John 1, it says, God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. He's going back to this witness thing, right? Listen, I'm here to give you life for a reason, and that's to be a light in this dark world. See, there's more to life than just this. And when we receive grace, it's not this just get out of jail for free, or get out of hell for free card, right? In John 17, 3, it says, and in this way to have, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. He's going back to this whole guidance thing. Look it. I'm here to give you life for a reason. There's a plan that I have for you, but all you got to do is follow me. Man, what a conversation, right? I think that Jesus is saying here, listen, Nick, can I call you Nick? Okay, I'll just Nicodemus. We'll stick with that. If we recall this reference from the Old Testament book of Numbers, Remember when the people of God had left Egypt and they were out in the desert and they turned their backs on God for like the hundredth time? They flaunted their rebellion in God's face. They took his goodness and grace for granted. And as the real attention getter, God sent all these snakes. Remember that story, Nicodemus? You probably even taught it in one of your classes. And it says in Numbers 21, Then the Lord told him, Make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. Remember that text, Nicodemus? And even though Nicodemus couldn't see it quite yet, Jesus says, you know, there's a day coming, soon, very soon, when I will be lifted up on a pole, when I will be lifted up on the cross, and anyone and everyone who believes in me will not only be saved from the snake bite of sin, 
but will live forever. And just to make sure Nicodemus understands this, Jesus leans in, and I believe he puts his hand on his shoulder and it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world or condemn the world, right? But to save the world through him. Can you imagine that moment? It was Nicodemus, this intellectual, dressed for success, Old Testament scholar, who was on the receiving end of one of the most famous Bible verses of all time. I mean, people hang John 3.16 on a banner at the World Series behind home plate, right? They engrave John 3.16 on necklaces and they wear it around. They tattoo their John 3.16 on their body. Some of you have that, I know. I'm not going to point you out, though. They even sign their holiday cards, Merry Christmas, John 3.16. But Nicodemus was the only one who actually heard these words come out of Jesus' mouth. On that dark night, Jesus gives him words of life that lit up his world for the first time in his life, which brings me to my third point. The third thing we receive when we get grace is love. Now, it sounds so cliche. You saw this coming. But listen, Nicodemus didn't know this love. Many of us didn't know this love before we met Christ, right? Many of you are even sitting here this morning that have never experienced this love. In 1 John 4.18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect. Listen, when Jesus is telling Nicodemus about, for God so loved, if you just receive me and live for me, I'm going to give you love. Nicodemus didn't know love. Why? Because he was living in fear. He was this religious leader. He was he lived for it because of fear. And even that dark night, he met with Jesus because he was afraid of being seen. But Jesus says, listen, fear and love, they don't go together. Here's why. Because John 1, 4, 8 says, but, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. He's coming back and says, listen, the reason why you don't know the love I'm talking about, because I am love. This is not something you could go to Hallmark in and buy it, right? You can't buy a card that says love on Valentine's Day. It's a, I mean, this love that I'm talking about costs just a little bit more than that, right? John 15, 13 says, There is no greater love than this to lay one's life down for one's friend. He's saying, look, there's, this love has great power much more powerful than you've ever heard before. And if you receive my love, you will experience the death and the resurrection of this love. I know it seemed like a mystery, but Nicodemus, I think, was starting to get it here. But he just needed a little bit more guidance. And in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, love never fails. I must have said this text a hundreds of times at weddings that love never fails. But in this moment, he was trying to get into Nicodemus's mind and heart. Listen, this love that I'm talking about will never fail you. Never. 
I find it interesting that John's gospel includes, that only John's gospel includes Nicodemus. And he talks about him on three different occasions. In John 21, it says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books um, that would be written. So out of all the things John could have written and could have included, this story, this intellectual seeker's journey of faith is recorded for us. And I want you to look at something in John 7. About a year has passed now since Nicodemus left his late night conversation with Jesus. And by this time, the debates concerning the identity of Jesus was really heating up and most of the members of the Sanhedrin had enough with Jesus, had enough of his popularity, had enough of his teachings, had enough of his miracles, had enough of his pointed comments towards them. So they send these guards to arrest Jesus. And the guards come back empty-handed and the members of the Sanhedrin were, were really upset to say the least. And they say, why didn't you arrest him? And I love how the soldiers respond. And they say, because no one has ever spoken the way this guy does. In other words, if you want him, you go get him, because we think this guy is the real deal. The Pharisees blasted these guards, um, and, they, they, and they said that you've been deceived, just like every other dumb loser in Judea. But then one of their own, who knew better, courageously stands up in John 7, verse 50. It says, then Nicodemus, the leader who had met with Jesus earlier, spoke up. Is it legal to convict a man before he is giving a hearing, he asked? You see, Nicodemus had been with Jesus. He had heard those words. He had sensed something different. He had been one-on-one -on -one with grace. He had looked into the understanding eyes of the truth, and he had experienced the hope in Jesus' presence. So he says, hang on a minute, guys. You are jumping way too far to, to these conclusions and condemning someone without really taking the time to examine the evidence or even just getting to know him. You see, doubt had turned to defense now. Going at night had turned into public association by day. Private conversation had turned into public debate. He moved from a guy who was a doubter to a defender and now fully devoted. That was Nicodemus' journey. How many of you have ever been to court? I just want to see how many criminals we have in the, the room here. Good, good. Many, many, many criminals. Pastor Gerald, take, take note. Um, I've been to court. I was innocent every time. But um, have you ever gone to court? And you, Well, this has been like this. And all I want is grace. Whether I'm guilty or not, I want grace. I just want to be let off. You know, I'm really sorry. Forgive me. Walk out. We'll never hear about this again. Right? But what happens? If you go to court, and not only do you receive grace, but you receive love too. Can you imagine the judge saying, listen, not only are you going to get off, but I want to work with you. I want to love on you. I want to get to know you. And I wanna, we're going to do something together that's going to be far greater than you ever asked or imagined. And that's 
where Nicodemus was. Nicodemus realized that there was something so much more than just grace. There were so much more than just living by the law, but there was grace. There's a third time Nicodemus is mentioned in Scripture in John chapter 19. It says, Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes, following the Jewish burial, burial custom. They wrapped Jesus' body with spices in long sheets of linen cloth. Two powerful guys, once in hiding, hiding from God, hiding from each other, now together at the cross. You see, that's what the cross does for people right there because the ground is level there. And I think about what was at stake for this rule-keeping Pharisee. In that moment, as Nicodemus handled a dead body, he defiled himself and no longer could participate in the Passover, let alone any other ritual for that matter. And no true Pharisee would ever do that for any reason. And not only that, he had made a significant financial investment as well. He brings 75 pounds of spices with him. And because that's how they embalmed the bodies back then, from the exterior to the overpowering and decaying stench of death. But 75 pounds? Really? He didn't have to do that. This was more than that. This was an expression of gratitude and deep respect. See, Nicodemus, this Pharisee, had moved from doubt to defense, to devotion. And I just wonder, as he stood at the foot of the cross, looking at this lifeless body of Jesus, if he heard those words that Jesus said to him that dark night, no one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And I wonder if Nicodemus, as he helped remove the nails from his hands and feet, did he remember the words, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not come, for, for Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world, right? Can you imagine that moment as Nicodemus is looking at Jesus as he washed the blood-drenched body of Jesus with water, could he hear those first words that Jesus told him? I tell you the truth, that unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Can you imagine that he's just, he's just referring back and recollecting that, that conversation on that dark night where he met Jesus for the first time, and he says, man, I thought there was so much more, and now I'm seeing it. And as he wrapped the body with spices and linen, I wonder if he thought back when Jesus went way below the surface of his questions and seemed to speak right into his heart and say, Nicodemus, the issue isn't where I came from. The issue is where are you going? 
And it seems to me that Nicodemus settled that issue in life. The real question, have you? Where are you right now? Where are you in all this? What next steps do you need to take? What questions do you have? Or maybe the truth is, you've settled most of the questions, but you never really let it get in your heart. You've never opened it up for God to heal it. You never invited Jesus to come into your life, forgive your sin, give you a new heart, give you a new birth, give you a do-over. Oh, even more than this. Maybe you've gone to church your whole life and you never allowed the Holy Spirit to come into your life. Maybe you've never accepted this eternal life. Maybe you've never experienced God's unconditional love. So wherever you are today, I just want to encourage you to make this a priority in your life. You do. I pray that you will lose sleep over it until you do. And I want to challenge each and every one of you to do what Nicodemus did. Step away from the crowd, come face to face, and get to know the real Jesus. Listen, when you receive God's grace, you receive his spirit, you receive his life, and you receive his love. Grace is so much more. The batteries are not included, no, but his spirit is. Maybe you think there is some assembly acquired, but Jesus already assembled it at the cross. And all we have to do is accept it and live for it. And man, maybe, maybe some of you have never heard a message like this before. Maybe you've heard this same message. You've grown up in church your whole life. But regardless of where you are, we all need to accept this. And we need to stop living like Nicodemus did. Start living the way Jesus did. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for using such a beautiful illustration and a story of how a, a great man, a very sophisticated man, a very smart man, who grew up in church his whole life, who thought he was doing all the right things. God, you use this story to show us that there's so much more than just ritual and tradition. That there's you. And you want to know us. And you want to have a relationship with us. And God, I pray for every person in this, in this room right now and even online that's listening. God, I pray that something that they heard this morning will click. That today is the day that they will put away that religion and accept the relationship with you. God, I pray in every household and every person's heart right now that the spirit of freedom will come over them right now, that the power of the spirit will come over right now. God, I pray if there are those that maybe have never accepted you right now, that, that they will humbly come before you and say, man, I need you. Lord, I need you. God, I just pray that if there is anybody here today, that they will step up and just say, man, I need to make changes in my life. And if that is you this morning, I'm going to be down here. I'll be love to pray with you. I don't want to embarrass you. I don't want to make a scene, but God, but today God wants to make things right with you. Why don't you make the decision to make things right with him? God, I thank you again for your word. God, have your way in our lives in Jesus name. Amen.
Pastor Carol Newman. We say thank you to Pastor Dan um, for opening the Word of God, uh, probably the most important chapter in the New Testament, John chapter 3. And I just love what he, he taught us today. And, and whether it be the Holy Spirit, the life that comes from God, the love that comes from God, those are not things we work up on our own. Those are things that we receive from him. And so we need to open ourselves and in, in, in that relationship and receive him. And if you want to follow Jesus and, and uh, just kind of take that first step, I know uh, Pastor Dan's here to talk and pray with you, but we also have a packet right up here. It's free. Just come grab it. It's just got some information about following Jesus right in there. And uh, so that's available for you. Just take that. Um, and again, you just do that if you want to go or if you want to talk to Pastor Dan and pray, you can do that. He's also going to be here to pray for anybody because uh, you should never leave church the same way. If you have a need and uh, you just want somebody to pray with you, stand with you this week. Uh, Pastor Dan will be here uh, to pray with you immediately following the service. We're about to receive the blessing of the Lord and be dismissed, but I forgot to mention it earlier, and I really want to uh, make sure you know about it and that you're also involved with it, is that we make a commitment as a church uh, each year to help feed children in the Philippines, and we do that uh, through a food pack. And today is actually the day we're going to be packing food in the gym. And so on this Valentine's Day, if you wouldn't mind staying just a few extra minutes, because when everybody's working together, it's, it goes really quickly. And we literally pack thousands upon thousands of meals for less than $1,000. And as you're, as you're pouring the, the rice and everything that goes together in, into the bags, maybe just say a prayer for those children that are going to be at a Sunday school class or a school meeting or something like that, and pray for those children that are going to be eating uh, what we're going to be making. But uh, just with a show of hands, who would be willing just to spend a couple extra minutes in the gym helping to pack food? Just raise your hands high. So you can see we probably need about 20 people, so that'd be great. And I know feel free to bring children, teenagers as well. Anybody can help. Um, it's simple, and it's, it's easy to do, um, and they'll give you all the instructions. So if you could just go right to the gym immediately following the service, you can do that. And if you'd like to give something, I was supposed to mention at the offering, I forgot, I apologize. But if you'd like to give something towards the meals, um, you can just give a, an offering envelope to Pastor Dan. Uh, he'll be down front and just mark it uh, a food pack, and we'll just make sure it gets there. But uh, again, thanks for being a part of that. Thanks for reaching out today. Um, and, and helping with that. And again, you can do that in, um, in the gym. We're going to receive the blessing of the Lord, but this week is a special week because <clears throat> excuse me, we have a, a group leaving for Israel tomorrow, and uh, we want to give the blessing over them and pray over them as well. So if you're going to Israel, would you just stand and join me down front if you're headed to Israel? I know there's a, a several people here. Uh, uh, come on down. And um, all right. Got a bunch of people here today. This is great. Just, just go ahead and stand here. Could we just have people come and stand behind them? Just, if, we're all going to stand for the blessing of the Lord. So if you want to stand for the blessing of the Lord. And uh, just come down, friends, family members. Uh, um, yeah, just anybody. Just come on down. Make sure everybody's being prayed for down front. This is, uh, we're going to do the blessing of the Lord over everyone before we go. But we definitely want to bless them. It's a very uh, interesting area of the world right now with everything that's happening and taking place. Um, and we know that God's going to keep them safe. They're going to be safe in all that they do. Uh, but, but going to Israel is a very powerful spiritual experience because you see the places like where Jesus met with Nicodemus. You're walking in the footsteps of Jesus. You're walking in the footsteps of the Bible. And it's a powerful spiritual experience, and I want them to, to get the most out of it. And we just need to pray for health.